Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talk and they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. It's all about that BS, baby. We back in studio, baby. <laughs> We're back. It's time to rock. Let's go. I'm fired up. Let's do it, man. <laughs> Fuck COVID. God damn. It's good to be back. I miss your pretty faces. <laughs> it's I, a, I it's, wish I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> Something has uh, has changed about your appearance a little, Scott. You look a little uh, caveman-esque. I thought you were going to say lazy. I was going to go, you're well, a there's that too. <laughs> I don't want to be a complete jerk about it, but you know, there's that too. Yeah, it's I look, I grew it out. It's I've actually had like five, six different people in the past week be like, Who are you and what did you do with Scott? You've so aged like, about, I don't know, fifteen years with the beard, but yeah, yeah it looks all right. It looks I, good. Yeah, I'll probably keep it for another month or so. Let the <laughs> let keep it during the colder weather, keep my face warm, and then when go. it gets warmer, I'll I'll uh, get rid of it. There you go. Fred, Scott, and James in the studio is uh Ryan is off at Great Wolf Lodge uh with the fam on a little family trip. I think Drew is down in Disney in the champagne room with Minnie Mouse. Looking the, out for Steven Severs tomorrow. Heard. Down there hanging out near Steven Seaver, so hopefully they'll get to uh, meet up. Uh, we got an action-packed show, man. It's uh, it's crazy that this time of year to say that. Action-packed show because this is usually the lull of the offseason, but we're like trying to find topics <laughs> yeah. and shit to talk about. Uh, but, man, the Ravens hire their guy at defensive coordinator, uh, which is a guy that I say hire their guy, guy that we're going to talk a little we'll bit about. We'll get into that. Uh, and we end up saying goodbye to a fan favorite. Yeah, that that sucked. That sucked to kind of hear that news, but kind of inevitable. Yep. And look, Super Bowl Fifty Six. It is. It, it's all set now, right? Joe Cool, <laughs> the new Joe Cool, the better Joe Cool in in many people's eyes. Uh, he and the the Bengals taking on the Rams. Two more down to the wire games, though. Yeah. It was an interesting divisional week, and I I'm am telling you, man, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. We're not getting into predict Super Bowl predictions tonight because we're going to wait till everybody's back next week to make Super Bowl predictions. But definitely a great week of football. If the Again. Super Bowl is half as entertaining as just this overall playoffs have been as yes. a whole, man, oh, yeah. I'll be entertained because this this has been one of the best years for NFL playoffs in a very very long time. Uh, and in this week's rundown, we're talking about the NFL's head coaching carousel that's going on right now, <laughs> a couple of legends retiring, and a huge payday on a parlay, uh, and VAC status playing a big part in tennis history. Yes. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to talk about some of this stuff. And so we'll we get do. Into it. We got a ton to talk about, man. Hey, the team over at MD Crash, uh, well, I've been telling you about it for two years. They've expanded. More lawyers handling a much broader spectrum of cases now. Still handling all your auto accident and injuries at work, of course, just like they always have. Uh, but now the team over at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon can help you with family law issues from divorce to custody, child support, and even homicide for all you psychopaths out there. Uh, <laughs> 
Put this number in your phone. Update it if you've had MD crash in there for the last two years like you should, like a good listener, like a good BSer. <laughs> 667-220-6500. Call or text anytime for any of your needs. Get the, the team at Bowers Hassan and Herndon on the case for you. All right, man, let's dive right into this. Yeah. Some flock talk. Uh, as, like I said, last week, seemingly a bold move, parting ways with former defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Uh, a move that I now that I've had time to digest it, like we talked about last week, uh, I think makes sense. I think they, they did need to make a change for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but like I said last week, the only way that this move makes sense is if the replacement is the right guy. You know, it's it's not making a move for the sake of making a move. And the Ravens act quickly and aggressively going after one of their guys. I, I want to get your take first because my take is probably a little different than most people's on this. Okay. Um so what was your your initial reaction to it? You you know it, it like you said it's it's their guy. Right move right guy so here's the thing mike mcdonald he was in the raven system for a few years left for one year went up to michigan with with his brother mm -hmm. you know they do this pass back and forth weird brother shit uh so he goes up to michigan he's the defensive coordinator up there and in a very short time in one year he yeah. takes them from one of the worst defenses in the big 10 to a top 20 defense in the country not just the big 10 the country mm -hmm. right uh, so that go that speaks volumes, right? And what I really liked about what he did in Michigan is right now he's got two outside linebacker defensive ends projected to go in the top 20 picks in mm -hmm. this league, in this draft coming up. Uh, and what do we say? One of the problems with Wink Martindale was the lack of sack production. You know, we saw it from Matt Judon when he was here, Zadaria Smith when he was here, not being able to get double-digit sacks, and in their first year, get multiple double-digit sacks. You know, they get 12 right. and 13. Uh, so if you're looking for sack production, I think what you're going to see out of McDonald is a more simplistic defense. You're not going to see all these crazy rotations and blitzing from the corners as much as we used to see with Wink's system. You're going to see guys that are – specialist at being pass rushers be specialist at pass rushing so those sack numbers are going to increase uh which in this afc north like i talked about last week you've got to get pressure on the quarterback especially with what we're seeing with joe burrow and what he's doing he's only going to get better if they put an offensive line in front of him that's right. only going to make it harder you got to get pressure on the quarterback in this in this league and in this division specifically uh and i think mcdonald's going to help in that route and with that hopefully we'll see turnovers increase as well and those are the two big problem areas right now with this defense so there's a lot to be said whether this is the right move or not I think it's a good move I like that he's young I like that he's shown that he can do it at the collegiate level and a lot of the players here at the NFL level liked him when he was in the system here mm -hmm. uh, he's just real familiar with the personnel obviously so he's yeah. already he's already got that edge up on the other guys that were interviewing for the position. He knows the personnel. He knows their strengths. He knows their weaknesses. He can come in and kind of put his own twist on things. Because I think a lot of people's concern, and maybe this is part of your concern too, and I'll let you talk here in a second. I think a lot of people's concern is, is this just going to be Wink Jr.? Are we seeing a product of Wink? And I think that's a 
It's a factor. It's a factor, mm-hmm. right. And I think if McDonald, obviously under Wink for all those years, he's going to pull some of those things from Wink. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, McDonald is his own coach, has his own style. You know, he had it in the in the in the high school level, uh, and now the one year at at Michigan. I don't think you're going to see a carbon copy of Wink. So there's people out there that are worried about, well, we're not changing anything. This guy is just going to be another Wink. That's not the case. So here's why you're wrong. Okay. Everybody that wants to jump to the argument about them being a top tier defense this year. No doubt about it. hundred percent. Michigan was a top tier defense this year, mm-hmm. right? They were, they were a top 50 or definitely a top 20. There's arguments between where they fall on 10 to 15. I've seen one person say they were a top 10 defense this year. Okay. Taking into account that last year they were in that range of 27, 28, right? Mm-hmm. Year before that, guess where they were? I don't know. I didn't look that far back. Top top 15. Okay. My view was when I started looking into this and looking at him, okay, this guy has one year to develop himself as a defensive coordinator. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, in, in the, in the, uh, the lower levels of college. And then all of a sudden now he's getting the job at this level mm-hmm. as a product of his environment. So to your point, right, that is one of the things that I was looking at is, you're, you are a product of your environment. Right. He is a product of the Ravens organization and of Wink over the past four years. To your point, like you said, that's a factor. It's part of it. Right. And I that, that. again, but then you, you layer that on. You layer on the fact that in all reality, they had a lot of players last year that missed and sat out because of COVID. Part of the reason their defense in Michigan wasn't nearly what it was expected to be because you have guys sitting out due to COVID. All those guys come back this year. No guys sit out. All of a sudden, he looks like a genius. On paper, to me, if you go back and you look two years ago, it's it's a very similar defense. What did he do? I don't know. I can't speak to it. Those those well, things came up in conversation in the interview, I'm sure, and the talks with with Jim. Yeah. My thing is, you have you talked about he's had time to develop. No, I'm sorry. In, as a defensive coordinator, you have to develop. You have to show that you can do it. And he, this is where I think this job was, in a sense, handed to him a little bit. Why I don't know. But my opinion, it's handed to him. He did he did nothing to prove to me that he can do it and do it on a regular basis right. and do it differently than what Wink did. Because, yes, he had that, but that's what he had to work with. If yeah. you've got a bunch of guys, you talk about turnovers for the Ravens, the turnovers are a problem. Would they have been a problem if we had the entire secondary healthy this year? Would they have been a problem if we didn't have Calais Campbell having issues on the front on the front side? If you didn't make that that switch later for Patrick Queen to make the jump over to, yeah. to the well linebacker, like there's a lot of different factors. We can play what if with everything on both sides of it. I get it. But to me, I I tried to go back and look at the whole picture and go, wait a second, this guy came in. You're telling me he came in and he made this jump? Well, wait a second. The year before that was the COVID year. And the year before that, they were the same I, type of defense in Michigan. So there's not mm, something that says yes to me that no. it's a splash. So there were some changes, and I'm just I'm just talking about specifically in the areas that the Ravens are most concerned about: sack production, getting to the quarterback, mm-hmm. and turnovers. Right? Aiden Hutchinson, who is projected to be one of the top two edge rushers picked in this draft, he could be right. a top ten pick, top five pick, really. 
Uh, Hutchinson was for the first couple of years before uh, McDonald got there, he was a in the dirt, fingers in the dirt end. And he was productive. But when McDonald came in, he had Hutchinson stand up in that more 3-4 type style defense. And he said he spoke very glowingly of McDonald and, and the style of defense that he runs because it allowed him to see the field more and allowed him to be able to get off the line faster. And these are things that, again, guys like Justin Houston, right, who has always been traditionally a double-digit sack guy. Yannick Ngakwe, when he right. came here, he was a double-digit sack guy. These were guys that weren't utilized to their strengths. Hutchinson, under McDonald, was used to his strength and has now projected himself to be a top pick in the NFL draft. And Hutchinson credits McDonald and his style of defense for that. So my point is, you drafted a, a, you know, an Odafe Owe in the mm-hmm. first round, and we all know what kind of athletic freak this guy is, right? <clears throat> we saw what kind of potential he has in the first half of the season. I think he had a little bit of a rookie wall you know, later in that year. But I think if you're going to invest in a first-round pick and an edge rusher like that and could do so again this year, potentially, we'll see. Right. They did just lock up Tyus Bowser, and they might get more out of Bowser as a rusher than just somebody who is well, kind of back using healthy, yeah. coverage and all that stuff when he comes back. Um, you want to get the max potential out of those guys. And to see the growth, again, it was only one year. I know it's a small sample size. To see the growth in both edge rushers, specifically at Michigan, in one year under him, I think bodes well for this Ravens defense. This is my opinion. I, 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 agree, it's hard to I tell. agree with you, but again, it's a product. you're a product of your environment. He spent three years prior to that as a D-backs and linebacker coach. Right. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about some of the things that he probably implemented in the DB that he's going to, to try to push and, and things like that. I, again, I, I, I can't say that I'm wrong. I can't say that anybody's wrong or right. My thing is, to me, one year and two players does not a coach make. Right. It, that, that's, Wait, Yoda all of a sudden does not a coach make. <laughs> but, but my thing is, is that's not I, I would have much rather if you said, hey, we've got another guy over here. And maybe there was maybe there wasn't. We've got another guy over here that spent three years as defensive coordinator, took it from a 24, 25 ranked defense to the past two years. They've been ranked in top. 10. I'd be more impressed. But he took a, a team that take the covid year out of it. They didn't change much as far as you know being a top tier defense. And I didn't think about it that way, so that's that's actually a good way to justify it. Like I said, where I'm looking at and what I'm focusing on is the trouble areas specifically at edge rusher and getting production out of that yeah. position. And I think he bodes well for that. Go yeah. ahead, James. I just want to throw in. I'm with uh, Rick uh, Garrett on this. Like they just after they the season's over, they waited and all of a sudden, boom, they had their guy. And I hope this is not. Um, it's not what you know, who you know type hire. Right. Uh, because yeah. I think, like I said, we will find out next year with Harbs, with his philosophy. He likes to talk and <laughs> hey, uh, good question. You know, like he knows how to talk to the media. He knows what to say. Um, and I, I just hope that this is a good hire, not just, oh, I'm just doing you a favor. Uh Let's try something out instead of like going outside of the Ravens and finding a guy to come in here. Uh, it was just weird how they already had this guy like ready to go. So I'm I'm hoping that it's a good hire, 
but we don't know yet. So. so the Ravens had actually explored the potential of making him a defensive coordinator a few years back, so even when he was younger, right? Uh, so this isn't just like a, holy fuck, we need to make a change, we need to make something happen, and this is a guy that's familiar. I really don't think that that's the play here. Like I said, they had thought about this a while ago. Uh, the Harbaugh's, they did each other a fam, you know, a, a, a favor or whatever and yeah. let him go to Michigan and do his thing there. Uh, I, I like this because usually what you see with some of these young guys, you know, you think about like the, the coaches right now that are having success. Look at the two that are in the Super Bowl right now, Zach Taylor and, and Sean McVay, both young guys, right? You need with the game evolving, things changing, these offenses now going to this more RPO style offense and this more mobile style quarterback, right? You need a, a, a I think a fresh perspective. It's cool to have all the tutelage of a wink and Dean Pease. He was even under Dean Pease. Yeah, he was under Dean Pease for a little while. To have that tutelage and have that knowledge is great. And I think it'll help him because he's a bit of a sponge from what I've heard, which is great, which is what you want out of a coach. Uh, but to have a fresh perspective and have a younger guy that's going to maybe bring some uniqueness to this defense, something or. Even when I say uniqueness, I mean it not as in like a crazy blitz packages and formations like Wink does. Maybe it's sometimes just taking it back to the fundamentals. Because what do we talk about with this defense for two years? Complicated. It's yeah. it's complicated. But what do they struggle with? The basics. They struggle tackling, with the yeah. basics. They struggle with fundamental stuff, tackling, being in poor position, communication. These are things that should be ironed out in training camp. And these are things that, you know, it, 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 it falls on the leader of the defense, Wink Martindale, uh, and I think they needed to make a change, and I think that's why Harbaugh did this. I, I would, I, I agree with that to an extent if you don't have, and again, I, I get injuries happen, right? But nobody thought the injuries were going to happen the way that they Nobody thought no, that I, this, this DB core towards the middle of the year would be having your fourth string DB all of a sudden be your number one. Like, yeah. nobody thought that. Nope. So... Worst case scenario. That's that's where you have to, you know, you got to rob Peter to pay Paul at that point, right? Maybe your linebackers are dropping into coverage. You can't send them as much. You're, you're trying to get creative and you're trying to give pressure so that they don't have the time to get open in the backfield, mm -hmm. right? So th there's, there's a lot of different factors here. My whole thing with it, and I know we're going to talk about Harb's presser in just a little bit, but in the presser, he had some statements that honestly really had me scratching my head because the statements and what they're doing, it, it's a... Do as I do as I say, not as I do type thing. Yeah. And that's what I gathered from this because at the end of this presser, I was scratching my head that none of none of what had happened made any lick of sense. Okay. And I know we're gonna get into that here in a little bit, yeah, but let's we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Uh, another piece of coaching news that I wanted to bring up. Uh, tight end coach Bobby Ingram, who was formerly a wide receiver coach with us for a little while, they ended up pushing him off to the tight end group. Uh, he is actually moving on, heading to Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. So he's going back to college. Where actually Badgers. His son right now uh, is a DB there. Son, uh, I think his name's Dean. Uh, he's a DB at Wisconsin. Now, the <laughs> crazy part about this was there have been rumors like the last week that Caleb Williams – who is the big-time freshman quarterback right. out of Oklahoma who had entered the portal, could potentially be going there. And I'm like, holy shit, this just makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you go and want to be under, like, yeah. one of the best quarterbacks? But he ended up going to U.S. or is going to end up going to USC like we all kind of thought he would and filing, uh, following um, – What's his name? The, the the head coach. I can't think of his name right now. Oh, uh, but yeah. follow him out the, to USC. <laughs> Mr. Uh, jet plane anytime yeah. I want it. <laughs> yeah. Mr. California at this point. Uh, so Bobby Ingram, 
no longer, again, no longer part of the organization. This is a guy who was detrimental, I think, in the growth of Mark Andrews. As great as Mark Andrews yeah. is when and when he came in the door, you can't discredit Bobby well, Ingram and his tutelage and the help that and, he had for and him. And not only just him. You got you to think about Nick Boyle's game, yeah. right? Nick Boyle, when he was asked to start being a pass-catching tight end, he stepped the hell up. And part of that is probably Bobby Ingram working with him as hands because originally – his hands were the question, but he was solid. Yeah. He was solid with blocking. He came definitely a more all-around tight end than just being a blocker. 100%. And I would, uh, same thing, I would I would dedicate that to Ingram. And, and even to an extent with that same thing, Mr. Mr. Project himself, Project Pat, right? Yeah. Stepping in and working with Bobby and becoming a tight end, fullback, defensive, yep. whatever you want to call him, he's there. So I think it just goes to show you the value of this guy. This is a guy that I would love to see come back in some facet. I not a jump to a coordinator after <laughs> after a year, uh, but I I would I would say like at some point give him a few years, make sure you know that his offensive scheming, you know, scheming is big on yeah. the offensive side of the ball. Make sure that it's working out. Make sure that he has a mind to be able to read and study. A lot of these guys can. That's why they get jobs. But at the same time, you've got to – going from college to NFL and NFL back and forth, that back and forth, there's adjustments that have oh, to yeah, be made. Oh, yeah, 100%. And if you can make them, yes, you're going to be successful. If you can't make them, you're not going to be successful. So I'm really curious. Uh, the other big news uh, outside of the coaching, kind of a not surprising – Bittersweet, Bitter, bittersweet, but also not surprising that he he decided yeah. as uh, co-cap Anthony Levine decides to hang it up and hang up the cleats. But uh, he ain't disappearing out of the Ravens locker room. No, he won't be gone for long. But man, this is uh, this was this was a tough one. I I'd said last year, you know, when we are this previous year, we're going into like the roster cutdowns and all that stuff. Well, you were we worried were about him getting cut, yeah. Salary cap hell, and we we had all these secondary pieces that had performed so well in the you know in the preseason. We're like, God, where are they going to make these final cuts? And we thought Anthony Levine could potentially be one of those guys, and he was. They played like roster roulette with him a little <laughs> bit to get him back into yeah, the fold. You know, put him, him on, the, put him on the cut him, released him, put him on the practice squad, then brought him back up, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's sad, man. This is a guy who undrafted free agent out of Tennessee State to 12 seasons in the NFL, two on the Green Bay practice squad to start out, and then 10 with the Ravens. Uh, Loved this, by everybody on and off the field. Absolutely. I mean, he was just the total package. Uh, I, I met him a couple times at a charity event that Terrence West, former running back, that he uh, he did a couple oh, I think of bowling, like bowling, event. yeah, bowling yeah, yeah, events that he that. put together. Uh, just a, a class act, easy to talk to, like always had time for the fans, signing yeah. autographs, just – just a very classy dude. Harbs uh, had some good things to say about him, too, yeah, from man. what you were telling me. Yeah, tough, smart, persistent, and dependable. Anthony represents the very best of what it means to be a Raven, a relentless competitor, and man of high character. Anthony poured every part of himself into the yeah. team, and that's 100% true. I mean, that's everything that he has well, been. This guy was a captain on team, mainly a special teams captain, right? He was yeah. a true special cap. That's where yeah. it came from. He, he really could fit in wherever you needed him. The the, the times that they hit, occasionally they would show him sitting on the sideline talking to some of the young young guys yep. and that's the value right that that sometimes people talk about overvalue we overvalue some players yep. sometimes you overvalue them on the field but what they bring you off the field the value's right yeah right when you add those two things together the value is right and he's one of those i mean when you think back 
the Ravens AFC North title in 2018. Yeah. Right on the field. Two pass breakups against Baker, throw, throws intended for uh, Njoku in that situation, and it was on the Browns' final drive, and he were they were on the cusp of of being able to get in range of a game-winning field goal. Yeah. And he, he single-handedly broke it up. Yep, yep. And he's just, like I said, I mean, he's the orchestrator of a unit that has been very good. I mean, one of the things that you can basically chalk up every year is that the Ravens are going to have a very good special teams unit, right? We all want to see the explosive plays. We all want to see the touchdowns and all that stuff. And and listen, Devin Duvernay this year didn't have a, didn't have any touchdowns, but what did he do? He got the ball up the field, right? right. He, he's he's an all pro returner now. Uh, the special teams core has always been a very good unit for the Ravens, and he has been a big part of that and getting people in position. Yeah, for and, that. and like you talk about, you know, not only is he that leader on the field and, and helping those guys, but. His impact in the community, and, and you, when you talk about the organization, when you talk about people that talked with him, you know he he was his he had his foundation. Uh, you know you had the fact that he was uh, among some of the uh, NFL grant recipients of Inspire Change. Um, fans again loved him. Yeah. Media loved him. Yeah, because he was all. He didn't care whether they won or lose. He was willing. He was willing to talk to the media all the time, and he was always a straight shooter. Always positive. Always yeah. a smile on his face. Like you said, straight shooter. Um, just again, I, I, I you can't well, speak anything but good. You things were mentioning about something him. about his foundation too a minute ago. Yeah. So he's got a. It's called the Levines ago. for Everyone Foundation. Uh, it's it's actually established under the Connectivity Divide Program, which provides families with children access to the internet for remote schooling. Uh, in selected markets in Mar right. Maryland, Georgia, and Michigan, uh, helps them get hotspots that cover eight devices for nine months. So he's done a lot of work, especially recently. Everything since everything's gone remote with COVID yeah. and all that stuff, uh, and done a lot of work with the league's social justice in initiatives. Uh, so again, he again, he, just what he's done, not only on the field, but what he's done in the community. <laughs> Uh, can't go and, unmentioned. And like we said, he's not going very far as nope. the, the, the Ravens announced that he's going to transition into a scouting and a coaching assistant role in 2022. And I tell you, you knew that that was coming. Oh, it had to. Yeah, it made there complete were, sense. There were a couple of clips that I can think of just back to this past year of the Ravens wired. Yeah, where him sitting on the sideline. Him guys, sitting yeah. on the sideline, on the bench, in Geno Stone's ear, motivational stuff, telling him where, like, what to see, how to, you know, and, and, and Geno Stone's been very candid about how much Anthony's helped him in his development. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, Geno Stone, when he's Make, been in action, get better. He's made some, he's made some leaps, and yeah. it's 100% in part to co-cap and sitting down and talking with him. And, and you know, it's it's great that you're going to have that. And the, the fact that he's going to be able to scout, I, I, I love the fact that he's part of the scouting squad, right? Yeah. Because he can, I think he's a guy that can say, look, this kid's rough around the edges, but we can teach him. Yeah. He's going to be able to have those conversations to determine if a kid is teachable because he's had those conversations throughout his entire career. Right. James, what did you think of Anthony uh, Anthony Levine retire, uh, retiring? Did you, do you have fond memories of Levine as a Raven? Yeah. Like, we all, you know, at the beginning of the year, saying that he was going to be on the roster and we went back and forth. He was right. the one man to be off, and he was off, and then they, they brought him back or whatever. So, um, it's it's tough. I I love the guy. I, he played, left everything on the field, and uh, that's great that he can be uh, you know put back into uh, the organization to get back and still be here and help these young guys grow. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, yeah. we got to talk about the press conference. <laughs> 
And well, I say supposed, press supposed conference. Be, there was supposed to be. There's three scheduled for this week. One of them was supposed to be today and got moved. Yeah, hopefully uh, the Ravens are getting hoodwinked here by Mike McDonald. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't know McDonald's pre- introductory press conference was scheduled for today. Um, they weren't sure on what time it was going to be today. They didn't really announce an official time, uh, but it hasn't happened. Uh, and I think like two or three days ago, Jameson Hensley like uh, re-put out a tweet that said, oh, it looks like it may be moved to Wednesday, right. something along those lines. So it just weird that you would an- make an announcement to have that, especially because the press has been chomping at the bit to hear anything from this organization. And I think it's right. going to be probably the same time as, uh, what's it face? Uh, the Costas? Decosta. Uh, it could be that we'll is on Decosta. Friday. I'm talking about uh, the the owner, um, Bashadi. He's tomorrow. No, he, no, they haven't said he's going to do one. He's not doing one. It was only supposed to be Harbaugh, uh, McDonald, and then Decosta on Friday. So Bashadi isn't doing one. At, at least as of not yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he was going to do one. I hope he does. I'd love to hear from him. Yeah, you uh, haven't heard much from him in a while. No, yeah. but uh, you know. Let, let's kind of talk and get into the presser that did happen, which was Harbaugh, uh, that happened yesterday. Yeah. Um, you had some, everybody chomping at the bit, wanting to ask him about Greg Roman. It was, that's so, what weird. It was so weird because, it, like, at first it seemed like no, none of the none of the media wanted to ask. Yeah. And it was like, eh, come on. Who's going to be guys. that guy? Who's going to be that guy? Uh, but so one of the things that, that when he was asked, he stated the plan is for Roman to be back and that strength and coach conditioning coach Steve Saunders will be back. That's the guy that knowingly worked with COVID. Yep. Hello. Yep. Hello. We just talked in this press conference as well about how you wanted to focus on health and he's looking at schedules and so that we don't have so many guys on injuries, right? They think it's, Oh, we, we need to adjust the schedules and the workout schedules and the the team meetings and adjust maybe nutrition. Okay. Some of those things can be a factor, but sometimes it's, it's just pure bad luck. It wasn't, these guys weren't getting severe cramps on the field. These, these were fluke freak accidents that were happening. Steve Saunders specifically, this was one of the moves, you know, Harbs talks about, Oh, we don't like making moves for the sake of making moves. Like this was one that, you make a move for the sake of making a move yeah. <laughs> just based on the pure fact of all the injuries that they had this year, all the injuries that they had back in two, what was it 2015 that they mm-hmm. had all those years. I know relative like Bounce two, back in 2016 on that though, two years ago, we were relatively healthy. We had one of the healthiest squads that we've had. So I know injuries don't all fall on strength and conditioning, but at the end of the day, they got to fall on somebody. And if it is that, you know, they need to go in and change all these things. They had a four hour discussion the other day, Harbaugh did yeah. with the strength and conditioning staff and all that stuff. Well, if you're telling me that there's, there needs to be these active changes. Well, then it needs to start at the top, and the top is Steve. How Saunders. about let's start with this guy who, who worked with COVID and had right. you, took out half your team? Yeah. Like it's simple as that. But but kind of getting back to the Roman piece for a second. Yeah. This was really interesting in my opinion. And remember how I said earlier that there, this presser had me scratching yeah. my head. Mm-hmm. Because he talked about bringing Roman back, and they, they just, you know, they, they think that the scheming can work, da-da-da. But then he listed off everything that went wrong with this offense this year. Mm-hmm. That in, under anybody else, if I told you, you knew nothing about football, I said, hey, this this is our head coach, but here's the, here's the deficits. You'd be looking and scratching your head going, why are you still going with this guy? Because <laughs> well, to that point, really quick before you finish your statement, yeah. to that point, that was actually one of the things that I actually really liked about this press conference was Harbaugh was very much more uh, unfiltered. 
He he was more critical of his team. I give that much more critical of things. He, usually, he gives you the PC answers on everything and tries to you know give you the the just the you know basic fundamental answers that he gives to the media all the time. You don't really get details. He was much more detail oriented. In this, uh, which was the crazy part because it made him contradict his own statements. I I do agree with that because he talked about the offense and the problems, right? He said, you know, we weren't finishing drives. Our offense could get down the field, but we couldn't put ourselves in a in a uh, position to 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 finish drives and score. The scoring points, we were lowest in scoring points previous year. We were we were up there. the The called run game was not as good. Called run game was his exact statement was not nearly as good as it's been in the past, but. To that point, yes, the called run game was not as effective. But but what did we what were we all calling for when you saw Devontae Freeman running the ball and then all of a sudden they're yeah. not stopping him and you go to passing the ball every down, you become predictable and that's I, the same. I get that, but they just did not have the talent level losing their I, top I, three I, running backs. And I get that, right? Then you say there's too many hurries, too many sacks, mm-hmm. too many pre-snap penalties. Four of those things come down to coaching. Four of them. Four of the six things you fucking named come down to coaching. Pre-snap penalties is discipline. It's discipline and practice. Simple as that. When Pre-snap it comes, penalties, 100%. That's a, yes, falls on coaching. Hurries. Sacks. I, you can make the argument, but some of that is coaching up. You don't have your starting all-pro left tackle out there. This is the first year under an adjustment and not having uh, uh, Orlando Brown on the right side. You got a rookie and Ben Cleveland going in and out. You got injuries across the board with you know Phillips and all these other guys. I give him a pass on that because, again, you're working with what you've got. You got Alejandro Villanueva, who might as well not even been out there the first couple weeks of the season. Guys blowing by him like he was paper. Like he was nothing. But finishing drive and scoring points. Finishing drives... Yeah, is, that was the if you're biggest getting problem. down the field and you're not finishing the drive. He, he even said he's like three points is good, right? Which is funny because James was calling and saying we, he was sitting there too often. Right. Three points is good, but you got to finish the drives. You got to score. Okay, fine. That's play calling, right? The same is true with the scoring of the points. That's play calling, calling the run game. I understand you don't have your two, two top tier runners, but run it. We've said it before. Run until they stop you. If they aren't stopping you. Why are you doing anything but running? Right. If you're getting four, six, eight yards a clip, run the fucking ball until they stop you. When they load the box, guess what you're going to do? You're going to find the open man. And, and to Rick's point, too, about the uh, the sack issue, a lot of that does fall on Lamar, too, because he was much more unsure of himself. And, and we've said this, and I've said this in the past, is – Back in 2019, when he had his best offensive line that he's ever had, he had Marshall Yonda mm-hmm. out there, he had Ronnie Stanley, he had Orlando Brown, he had the best offensive line that he's ever had. You could see a calmness in him and a confidence in him that allowed him to be more efficient through the air. Now, to Chuck's point about them not being able to improve the passing game under Roman and all that stuff, this year they did make a big a big jump in passing, and a lot of that was you know not having Lamar out there for the first uh, eight, eight, weeks. eight weeks of the season, Lamar was on a very good clip. It wasn't until that Miami game, that Miami mm-hmm. game, that there was a shift in mentality, and then he were, there was the injury, and you've got Tyler Huntley coming in, yet they still finished way above where they were last year in passing. So there was substantial improvement, even without even without having the threat of a run game as much as you've had in the past because you don't have your weapons out there, not having the offensive line because of injuries. So I... I, I 
as much as I'm not a Greg Roman truther, I'm not trying to like pump Greg Roman up here. All I'm trying to do is play the devil's exactly. advocate side gotcha. of it and, and, and give you information as to why I think Harbaugh is giving a little bit more leeway than some of us fans But then are. you make one more statement. Go ahead. You make the statement, moving forward in this year, we need to choose our scheme wisely. <laughs> that was Hello, to me. To me, opening. <laughs> to me, that was Greg and I had a conversation. <laughs> He's on the hot seat. <laughs> and it's either you change some things and develop things and implement some new things. Fucking crack open that vault that you keep talking about. But that's the problem. Why did that have to happen later in the season? That's a conversation that should have happened last oh, offseason and the middle of this season. I agree. Simple as that. There shouldn't be this uh, because you're making an excuse for one mm. that you didn't make for the other side of the ball. Right. And the other side of the ball lost some of the guys that he was never expecting. We didn't have fourth stringers out there as number one wide receivers. We didn't have four stringers. Well, maybe we had four stringers out there as, not, as number one running backs. But, uh, yeah. but they we had up. everybody else's trash. We had a great <laughs> running back core in 2008. But then you misutilized those guys, right? We, we, we kind of talk about there, there were so many things in this with that part of the presser that just it kind of got me. And then he goes, change is inevitable. Growth is required. And I'm sitting here going, I hope you said all this same shit to, to Greg Roman. I really hope you did. Yeah, you know, part of me was, was was wondering. Okay, is this his like after he said that, and then the whole change is inevitable? I almost wondered was that an under understating, reminding tone to Roman <laughs> of, hey, remember that conversation we had? Right. It's public now, buddy. Yeah. It it's just it, there's something about it, but again, I guess that's where I struggle with the McDonald thing, right? Because it's there to me, there was no reason. For the for the firing, it wasn't. It was a mutual parting of ways. It was, hey, we're not going to go with you. There was reasoning for firing. Like I said, on the defensive side of the ball, if the, you're going to make the excuse for one, you can't make it. You have to make it for both. No, I get that. I get that. And it's still early. Things could still change. This press conference Possibly. doesn't yeah. doesn't lock in Greg Roman. There's a lot of chips that still need to fall. Things could and and actually some of his conversation and some of his statements to your point kind of contradicted themselves. Almost sounded like he was leaving that door open of hey, nothing is written in stone a hundred percent yet. And then he he started talking about um, uh, T Martin right, who we talked mm -hmm. about bringing in T Martin and Keith Williams and the development of the passing game, the development of the wide receivers, route running, and all that stuff that he was going to be interviewing for the Bills offensive coordinator job, which he ended up not getting. They ended up promoting <laughs> Ken Dorsey. It would have been an uproar. Oh, if my God. If he would have gone there, been the offensive coordinator, and taken that Bills offense to the next level, oh, you would have had to like had police escorts on the fucking bridges because people would have been jumping <laughs> off of them here in Baltimore, the Key Bridge, the fucking Bay Bridge, everywhere. You'd have had to have security around a hardball Roman Jesus and, Christ. and EDC. I would have completely deactivated my Twitter account because I wouldn't have been able to handle it. No, it, 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 it's pretty bad. Like, that's the other thing is that you know you talk you talk about some of these guys and and you'll potentially losing them, but then on the on the uh, defensive side of the ball, you said that the, you know that they had considered um, Anthony Weaver, yeah, for the Broncos uh, defensive coordinator job. He he was a guy who had one year of defensive coordinator experience with the Texans. He's a guy who was a Raven player for for yeah. many a years here. 
uh, came back this past year, uh, and he had a very good impact on the defensive line. A lot of players like him a lot. But you talk about guys that need to prove it, you know, and the coaching level and stuff. He's yeah. a guy I think still kind of a little wet behind the ears that I think defensive coordinator might be a little above where he needs to be, but he is interviewing for the potential uh, Broncos defensive coordinator job. So we'll see what happens there. So he could still potentially be leaving uh, Baltimore. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to kind of see. I think the other the other thing that was interesting from Harbs was his statement around uh, the DBs and having two first round rounders coming back, referring specifically there to Marlon and Marcus, right? Yeah. Coming back into the fold, um, which you kind of felt like, I think you said that that was to you. You felt like that was positive news. It's positive for many things. It's it's positive from an injury standpoint, right? Marlin was kind of his injury was kind of late in the year as a pec tear. You don't know how that's going to be, but the sounds like the expectation is he'll be ready to go early on. Uh, the other part, and that obviously you know Marcus Peters still coming back from the knee injury, the ACL tear. Um, those are always finicky. Some yeah. come back faster than others. Uh, but the other side of this is the conversation we had a couple weeks ago when Bobby Trossett was on the show, and I said, they're going to have to start playing salary cap roulette where you know either they're going to have to extend some of these guys out restructure. to restructure their deals and move money around, or they're going to have to make some tough decisions because you got $45 million of your salary cap next year is wrapped up in three cornerbacks. That's Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters and uh, Tavon, Tavon Young. Young. Tavon Young more than likely is gone yeah. just because of the injury history and the cap number. But $15 million of that cap hit was Marcus Peters. And again, he's coming off of an ACL injury. I love Marcus Peters. I love everything about him. I love his personality. I, th I think what he brings to the secondary from a knowledge standpoint, uh, his go big or go home kind of approach, you know, big play mentality type thing. We need those turnovers in the secondary. We sorely missed Ima it this year. Ima I was just saying, imagine imagine that mentality and that getting, you know, that that drive and that push on right. the field. And I give him a lot of crap for the, the, the risk versus reward, right, with the interceptions. But do you know how deflating that would be for a guy like Joe Burrow, interceptions? Yeah. That, that it, it starts to play a factor. Right. So you really wanted to kind of come in, and that's something that they can he can really wreak havoc on a game. Right. But the, the point in bringing this up and that Harbaugh's made this statement, to me, sounds like they are going forward with the mindset that Marlon and Marcus are going to be a part of this team. Now, the next part of it is, do they just let it play out with the contracts that they have? Do they extend Marcus and move the money out uh, just so that way it's not as big of a cap hit? You could also restructure it and take the cap hit after he's gone, a little bit of cap hit after he's gone if he's willing to do that. Right. Well, that's the thing. But Marcus has got to be willing to do that. Uh, do you add another year or two to his deal? Because he's loved playing in Baltimore. Baltimore is has really been a – a rebirth is what he said uh, of his love of the game. You know, for when he got dumped essentially by the Chiefs, he kind of felt betrayed. Then he goes to LA and gets dumped again by the Rams for a Jalen Ramsey. And he felt like shit. Baltimore embraced him from day one. Baltimore went out there and made that trade for him. Uh, so I think he's got to love. You got a problem with him working with Anthony, Anthony Averett on Anthony with, Averett's game? 
and like what he's you know have a counteract to, oh, to, sure Mar- to been- Marlon and, and working and saying all right here's how I, I jump routes here here's what I'm looking at <clears throat> no I have no problem with that at all I don't think Anthony Averett's back I think Anthony Averett's earned himself a substantial enough contract that I think he'll end up getting paid somewhere else okay uh, just because again yeah I know he had some rough games this past year but he also showed a lot of potential uh, and I he think he very easily be someone's young. number two. He's yeah. super young, right? Yeah. So I think again with the cap, salary cap hell, Anthony Aver will be out. Uh, but Marcus Peters does for now at least sound like he's going to be back in the fold. Yeah, uh, Harbs was also asked about the offensive line. Um, you know, he talked about you know, the criticalness of needing to sure that up, yeah. um, which was good to hear because Ravens fans, you know, and hopefully it's not just coach speak. Hopefully they do some and make some moves him and EDC, whether it's in the draft or in free agency can, can make some moves happen to protect Lamar. Because I think I, I said it on a, a Twitter space uh, earlier today. I think part of the reason that in my opinion, a contract's not getting done with Lamar, no matter what they've thrown supposedly, I forget who it was. So they, that's they what I was there. getting ready to say. Supposedly let me, let me, let me set number. this up. Go let ahead. me set this up real quick. So uh, I have a lot of respect for Sarah Ellison, who's a former editor for the Ravens. Uh, obviously, Cadre Ismael, he's a former Raven, mm-hmm. former wide receiver, great. Uh, they do Twitter spaces together all the time, Sarah yes, and Cadre. Cadre. And uh, last night, they did a special. It was two hours long. I didn't listen to the entire thing. It was two hours long. Had Engraven on there. And they had our buddy Engraven on there. Engraven was kind of like the, the fan representative of the group. He was right? asking the tough questions. I give him he credit. He did. He asked the tough questions. He didn't hold anything back. He said how he felt, and he said how he thinks the fans feel. He represented us well, I thought. So shout out to Engraven. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I think stirred the pot a little bit, uh, Kadri aired some dirty laundry, said apparently that Lamar was offered a substantial contract, like general generational wealth type contract, and Lamar's turned it down. Um, so for all you fans out there who have like, oh, well, maybe Lamar will, because he's not paying an agent, will save a little bit of money. Blah, blah, blah. Listen. Lamar has he always he has always been about his money. That is why he doesn't have an agent, so he doesn't have to make that cut. That is why he has his own clothing line. <laughs> we that know is, that. <laughs> that is why he came after us over the stupid shirt that we made. Uh, Lamar is about his money, and he's not going to take any discounts. Um, nah. <clears throat> now, Harbaugh did say in his press conference that we know who our quarterback's going to be moving forward. So there's still, there's still a good, <laughs> I see these fans going Tyler Huntley. <laughs> there's still a, I think there's still a good vibe that, that something will get done. Uh, but for those out there that have been curious as to, well, what's the delay and what, why aren't the Ravens offering anything? Apparently and there was an offer. He just th- There is an offer. And in my opinion, the reason that it hasn't been done is L- Lamar's going, what are you doing to protect me? Right? What are you doing to protect your investment? Gotten into the uh, <laughs> uh, the offensive line. We got. Oh no! I started talking about Harbaugh's uh, pending contract extension. Yeah. Right. Uh, and kind of the wishy washy of that wishy washiness of the contract situation is Ozzy, Eric, Steve, all collectively sound like they want Harbaugh back. And Harbaugh wants to be back based on this statement. But if you're doing an extension, like why hasn't it got done yet? Especially yeah. at a introductory, <laughs> you know, or a intro uh, press conference like this, you would have thought that that would have been the announcement is, Hey, I'm here and I'm going to be here for the next three to four years. <laughs> uh, so with that statement, it sounded kind of like wishy-washy to me. Yeah. It's, it's something that I, I just don't understand why they're, they, 
again, why they handled this, the, the, the way that it's been handled. I think there were, I get that there were a lot of factors, but if you're putting, if you put Roman on the hot seat, who is a guy that has one bad year, mm. right? Because the entire time he's been here, this has been a trending up and top tier defense. He has one bad year and all of a sudden you're letting him go. It's not conducive to what with with John Harbaugh that John Harbaugh's had a few bad years. He's had some years that have had some struggles with him. Not as bad, but you know, he's had to this year he's had to overcome a lot of things. And I think to an extent he did okay with some of them, but clearly an eight and nine record says that you didn't do good with all of them. Right. Right. And so I was a little surprised that this extension got worked out. Um, and I, I'm curious on what this means for Lamar and Roman, and maybe that's part of the Lamar thing too. I, I just don't know. The The whole fact that they are giving him this extension with all, all of the issues, I'm torn. I, I, he, there's no there's no pressure on somebody we'll that, that, that I mean, has already got a contract. Again, the, the, the extension isn't official yet, uh, True. so we'll see what happens with it. Um, yeah, you know, I'd be surprised if the deal doesn't get done again. If the Ravens were going to make a change with Harbaugh, they would have done it earlier in the offseason to not allow all these other teams to dive in and get the best head coach candidates first. I mean, we're seeing them drop like flies right now with other teams. So I, I think Harbaugh is here to stay. It's just a matter of does the extension get done before the season? Does it get done at the end of the year? We'll kind of see. And, I, and it could be one of those we're going to wait until the end of the year and we're going to see what happens this year. And if we see – positive change, then we'll get that extension done. Right. But if not, so again, Harbaugh could be on that hot seat as well. So we'll see. And and after seeing the Bengals get to the Super Bowl, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of things that, that we need to see improvement on with the Ravens to kind of yeah. keep up with the Joneses, right? I mean, the, literally the Bengals... Keep up, keep up with the Burrows. I mean. <laughs> the Bengals went from a two-win team two years ago a four-win team in Burrow's first year, which obviously he dealt with injuries and all that. He had the knee injury. Right. We took uh, him out. <laughs> and then into the Super Bowl and his first full season as a quarterback, right? So from bottom dweller to Super Bowl overnight, like that, essentially, with the Bengals, right? It shows you it's personnel. Yep. It's all it's personnel and coaching. What do they do? They made the coaching change. They made the personnel changes. Right. And it worked, and that's even that's even with the offensive lines of theirs still having some struggles. Imagine if they get him some more protection, right. like they did this year. You get a, you sure up that offensive line even more. You're going to give him all day. You well, know what's crazy though? Good. Yep. What the crazy part is, you don't hear anything talking about anybody from that organization going somewhere else because whoever's drafting, they should get a, a A plus right now for. What they're doing, no one knocking on their doors. Is it because they're the Bengals? But someone's got to be uh, credited over there. Yes and no. I mean, the other side of that is, too, that all of their draft picks that they've had have been at the top, top of the board because they've been so bad for so long. So it's Yeah, but they're not the worst. You know, look at the Dolphins. Uh, the Bengals have been, I mean, like I said, we just talked about a two-win team and a four-win team. So they've been in the top ten picks for a while now until Burrow came in. Uh, and, and again, that nucleus of guys that they, they've all hit on them, you know, the, the, the Jamar chase, the, the burrow now T Higgins, the Joe Mixon, like that nucleus is young, super cheap right now. They got a ton of cap space, so they're only going to get better. And again, like I said, last week, 
if they can put some resemblance of an offensive line in front of him through free agency and through the draft this year, that team is going to be ridiculous for the next few years until those contracts come up and they start going to play, you know, <laughs> roulette again yeah. with the salary cap like we are right now. <laughs> but Sarah had posed the question, Sarah Ellison again, uh, what are a few things you need to see improvement on with the Ravens to keep up with the Joneses? And her answers, I, I kind of agreed with pretty much all of her things. She said, you have to continue to build that stout offensive yeah. line to protect Lamar, and I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, that's, again, the biggest you difference maker. You protect your investment. <laughs> it's the biggest difference maker from MVP year to last year was the amount of protection he had, the confidence 100%. level he had, uh, and, and, and just his comfort in the pocket. A healthy Ronnie Stanley this year may be we're talking differently right yep uh the other thing she made she made a point to say was you have to make sacks and getting to the quarterback and turnovers and emphasis is what i was talking about earlier that has been the biggest lack especially last year again there was a lot of injuries but that's been the biggest lack on the sack production for a while again this goes back to matt judon when he was here and and and, and again zadaria smith when he was here you bring in free agents like a, a you know, yannick Ngakwe and or you make a trade for yannick Ngakwe. you bring in a guy like justin houston all these pieces that you bring in to kind of shore that up and to get more production you don't get the production that you expect i i think that they go hand in hand together the only thing that i would say when it comes to the 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 turnover piece is there is part of me that says maybe over the past few years, there's been too much emphasis on turnovers, the punching the ball out. They made it. We're making a big deal out of it. And turnovers are good. But if you're if you're if you're messing up the basics like tackling. Yeah. That's your problem. It's yeah, not that again comes back down to coaching. Wink Martindale was the leader of the bunch on that. And if he's like, yeah. so, so back in the day, but uh, is that too much emphasis on turnovers? And you're talking about, we needed to have more turnover. You need to put more emphasis on turnovers. Well, no, the thing That's is, you got to let, you got to let your, your players that have specialties specialize in those things. Marlon Humphrey is, has never been a guy to generate a lot of interceptions. He's a very good cornerback and he will pass. He's break a coverage balls guy. Yeah. He's a coverage guy, but he doesn't get a lot of his turnovers through interceptions. It's always been, punch you know mm -hmm. what's, yeah, what's his, what punch. was his fruit punch thing yeah it's always been his thing the problem was he did it at such a high level that year that everybody else on that team tried to mock him and tried to do the same thing and sometimes like you said they lost the the the, the focus on the fundamental of tackling and wrapping people up that it ended up resulting in big plays versus it even yeah. just being a tackle <laughs> yet alone a turnover when back in the day peanut tillman right Another guy yeah. who made his Mr. career punch on punch outs, right? You didn't see the Bears defense all convert to trying to do the same thing because it worked for Tillman, right? That's where Wink struggled to just kind of step in and be like, no, that's Marlon's thing. Get into position. If the play is there for you to make a turnover, make a turnover. If it's there for you to make a pass breakup, make the pass breakup. He was allowing these guys to kind of almost willy-nilly at kind of free free range to be able to do a which lot is, of things that Marlon does. Which is what I'm saying is is the, it's a broad statement that I know that she's making, right? But the the idea that we need to put more emphasis on turnovers, that's where I'm saying, and it sounds like you kind of agree, we almost put, it sounds like we probably almost put too much emphasis on turnovers, not getting back to the the basics. So what you need to do to your point, I would, if I were to adjust anything, I would say back to basics turnovers, but still turnover as much as possible, yeah. right? It, we need, because when you get back to basics, 
That's when Marlon used to do it. When somebody had him wrapped up and he wasn't going anywhere and Marlon came flying in, that's when they were happening. There right. was a few times where he got a man individually, but it happened a lot when somebody else had him wrapped up where he wasn't he was getting, trying to fight for that extra yard or something. Marlon comes in, punches it out. That works. But it can't uh, be your first go-to. To answer, I don't know whose question it was. Was it uh, Josh? Did I miss the Roman talk already? Yeah, unfortunately, we, we talked about Roman at a lot of John's press conferences and some of the takeaways from that. Uh, but we had a connectivity issue. Uh, so there's probably two streams on whatever uh, network you're on, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, it was in the first 30 minutes or 45 minutes of yeah. the show. So we did talk about it, but we, you know, we'll, we'll probably, again, it's a weekly show. We got a lot of things to cover for the next couple of months. We're going to have sure Drew and Ryan's having, opinions next week. Too, we'll have I'm sure. many Roman conversations from here on out. Yeah. Uh, but man, all right. The last thing she said uh, in this statement was, and I know it's not really a controllable, but injuries have to be minimized. And this goes back to the Steve Saunders conversation that we had earlier and retaining yeah. him. Um, honestly, I couldn't agree more. Like I know sometimes injuries are just fluke, right? But to have it at this kind of a clip and with the, you know, guys that are so impactful guys, starting guys, right? It, it all kind of comes back to, what are the Ravens doing differently than other organizations are, are they doing? doing too much? And yeah. I thought Sarah Ellison and, and engraven actually brought this up last night in that, uh, in that Twitter space. And I thought it was a great point. What is one of the things that the Ravens are? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, stand out differently than any other organization when it comes to player development and testing. Oh, they have one of the, the toughest uh, medical exams around. Well, one of the toughest medical exams and then one of the toughest, um, what do you call it? The I can't go drawing a blank right now. The, um, oh my God. Before they get, they, before they allow them to play, they got to pass this test. It's a uh, oh, conditioning, can, yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. conditioning test, right? They Everybody that's ever come here as a free agent has said the Ravens conditioning test is second to none in its difficultiness. Like no other organization runs anybody as hard as they do. And now part of that plays into, I think, the success of the Ravens in the preseason. Like the Ravens have always historically done really well in the preseason. I think that's because they're conditioned so well in training camp, way better than a lot of other teams are. Right. But does that play a part in... Is that to the detriment of the team right. later on? Is it yeah. running these guys too much? And is it putting too well, much emphasis and, in training camp and the fact that, that opens them up? The fact that like you, lo you lose two guys to the same injury before the season even starts, are you going too hard too early on guys that are veterans, right? right. I mean, J.K., granted, J.K., you know, what, you know what you had in J.K. There was no reason to push J.K. until the season started, yeah. period. Uh, same with Gus. And then to have it happen with Marcus, there, part of that is some of these guys, that's their mentality, and they get out, out there, they're going to give 110%, right, every time that they do it, even during practice like you play, right? right. That's, that's the thought process. But you've got to then, from a coaching standpoint, step back and go, hey, Marcus, you, you have your spot. It's okay. Right. Don't, don't, I, I can't afford you getting hurt. Get out there. Give us, give us your, you know, your type of play, but don't be pushing yourself because we know what you can do. And, and to that point, Marcus's injury was, was literally freak. It was just him yeah. changing his body and going from one direction to the next and the ACL tour. 
there's got to be conversations going around with the the equipment too you know as much as i love under armor you know if if it's an under armor spike issue is it there's these are things are a bad problem these are things that you talk about analytics right there's people out there that that watch all this stuff get paid to watch it all yeah exactly and that's definitely something that needs to be under fire right now because we cannot have this happen again you can't be paying all Mm -hmm. this money for it to just sit on the sideline and sit in a rehab booth and uh, on both sides of the to ball. flock nations point some of that shit is common sense yeah some of it is yeah 100 100 so all right before we kind of get into uh the nfl and i know somebody asked have we talked about tb12 that'll be coming later on in the in the uh rundown section but one of the things i think we got to just just mention before we kind of talk the the two winning teams this has been some of the most entertaining playoff football that we have seen in years. Absolutely. This is At what every, almost every level of game. This is what makes the NFL product so appealing to the masses. I mean, it's it's you know, we always talk about like Thursday night football is such a shit show. They're always in like shitty games, but we we still as football still fans, in. we still tune in, we still watch, man. I'm telling you, you still watch you the Manning cast on Monday. <laughs> every penny's worth through this entire playoffs. Yes. Every round, divisional round, conference championship round. And like I said, if the Super Bowl is half as good as the, the rest of this playoffs has been, it'll be worth it. Uh, it has been the best playoffs I think I've ever seen uh, in, in recent years. It, I mean, obviously the Ravens winning the Super Bowl is <laughs> what stands out the most, but just collectively – uh, one of the most entertaining. Yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about this, right? When you when you look at just even the the you know the wild card round, right? The wild card round, you had nineteen to twenty six. The Bills seventeen uh, or to forty seven to seventeen win was the largest difference, yep. and the Chiefs and Steelers, right? So maybe the first round you had some good games and some blowouts, but the blowouts were pretty much the ones that you fairly Not expected. After that, after that division round. All but all but one game was decided by three points, and the one that wasn't was decided by six. So one score game all yeah. around on all those, and then the conference championship game, both of them literally come down to the last minute, last second type situation. One of them goes to overtime, and it was so great because I'm sitting there watching the the Bengals game right that goes into overtime, and I'm hoping for the coin flip. I'm hoping. It goes into Joe Burrow's hands, and Pat Mahomes doesn't even get a shot because then the the whole conversation is sparked up again, yep. and something will wind up happening, good or bad. But it, it doesn't. Mahomes gets it. Everybody in the stadium thinks it's over with, uh, it's, and this, then the interception. Yeah, this Beautiful. game was crazy. I mean, both of these games were two blown leads. Teams that had leads. Uh, the, the the Chiefs were leading twenty one to three. <laughs> Uh, it was a tale of two very different halves of football. Uh, the, the Chiefs scored three touchdowns on their first three drives, and I thought, oh, shit. It was within the first, like, 15 minutes or the first 10 minutes, too. They're going to run. It, they're gonna, no, it was in the first quarter and a half, but they were going to okay. – I thought they were going to run the Bengals out of the gym. I mean, they <laughs> Bengals it was looking like it. weren't doing anything on offense, and everything for the Chiefs was clicking. Uh, but what if I told you that would be the last points that the Chiefs scored was 23. The way that they started, that was going to be the last points that they 24. scored. 24. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they did yeah. have the three to tie it up at the very end. Sorry. Uh, but still, three points at the very end to tie it in that, <laughs> what, three, th- two and a half quarters, we'll say, of play. Nothing. The way that they started, Shut nothing down. at home. 
Chiefs go eight straight drives, including overtime, uh, with without points after scoring touchdowns in the first three drives, minus the the field goal. Uh, the drive at the end of the first half with the pass to Hill uh, inside the five was stopped. That was a big game changing. Yeah, that was a play that was there. a turning point in that game. That was a very I mean, it's an aggressive call, but we talk about like, you know, with Harbaugh not making the right calls and all that stuff. I understand that they were winning 21 to three right there. And I think they it's were just Andy trying Reed to not want to let off the gas. They're trying to put their foot or exactly keep their foot on the pedal. But man, you, you make that field goal there. You take those points and this game could go very, very differently. Um, you know, the only thing I thought that the Bengals, I, I think that you, they Chuck. need to change. The only thing that the bang, I, the Bengals were doing on offense, it drove me bonkers. Was we talk about like predictability on offense, man? They just continually ran the ball on first down and passed the ball on second down. I was literally yelling at my TV. I'm like, why are why are they not changing it up here? The the Chiefs are loading the box, you know, like that. All they continue to do is run with Mixon. Mixon's not really getting anywhere. And, and did you change your mind after they started scoring? They started scoring. They started moving because the what ball. did they do? They were loading the box. And Burrow was hitting the open man on over the center. second and third down, though. Like, that's my point is on first down, there were plenty of opportunities. Well, but no, in, the, in, the thir- in the third in the uh, third quarter, they start, what they started doing was the Chiefs were loading the box like they did the first two quarters. Yeah. And what was Joe Burrow doing? He's finding the open man right there. It's across the middle. Boom. There it is. Yeah. Right? So we, they set them up. And those some of those were on first downs. Because I'm sitting there going, why isn't Joe Mixon run? I, I, I was listening to the first part of the game. I wasn't watching it. And then I wound up get, being able to watch the second half. Yeah. And I saw that, and I'm like, why aren't they running the ball? My dad tell me, tells me they were really predictable in the first they in the were. first two quarters. But then you started seeing that work out. They they brought Kansas City in and said, gotcha, gotcha. It yeah. worked. Yeah. Right? That They made the adjustment when they needed to. It would have been nice to see it earlier for them. But they continued to do it to try to bait them, and they put that they put it on the the shoulders of their defense, and their defense stepped up. Yeah, I, this team is built to last. Talking about the Bengals, they're going to be good for a long time. We mentioned drafting Burrow, we mentioned drafting Chase, Chase. right? McPherson. Guy, <laughs> I was going to say the guy that goes under the radar that nobody seems to be talking enough about is this rookie kicker in McPherson. Did you see the video of him that came out today? No, he's doing the the uh, cap challenge. They've got a cap sitting up in a oh, rafter. I and saw he kicks, that before, he, yeah. He kicks it up, and I I had never seen that he before. Said it, he said it took him, and he was very candid. He said it took him like 30, 35 attempts for it to actually so happen. So fucking but impressive. Still, yeah, it was insane. He got the That's Gatorade bottle. accuracy. Yeah, it was crazy. But you guys also forgot <clears throat> to talk about the, the allegedly was a fumble on Mixon. But, yeah. It, you know, no one touched him, and he just like, let that ball go. You know, you got to be secure on that. I know you're excited. You know, you're in the moment of that game, you know, getting that first down, running the clock down, thinking that you're going to win this game. But you got to make sure that you've been touched. Yeah. Or, or here, here, luckily, they said that there was a whistle blown. So. I was just say the, the difference. But see, even still, the, the argument to that is he gave himself up. When you give yourself up, like he stopped. That's giving yourself up. It's the same. It's a, it's, it's, a it's no different than You've a quarterback the, doing yeah. the same thing. You've so already that, touched, that the, the, touched the ground there. and given it up. It's 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 the same equivalent. But so. to the other side of that is when the Chiefs intercepted Burrow, they were off sides as well. So you could play both sides of that. There was yeah. a big play that changed the game for the Chiefs that didn't yeah. end up going. You know, didn't yeah. end up working out for them because they didn't score on it. Uh, but you know, big plays happen in those games, and it went both ways. Um, 
Last time the Bengals played in a Super Bowl was 1988. I was six, just saying, so Scott. Uh, um, I was I was just born that year. <laughs> and if it was early in '88, if it was if it was the actual year '88, not the season of '88. That I'm not uh, sure. If it was the season of '88, I wasn't born yet. If it was the year, or I'm sorry. If it was the season of '88, I was born. If it was the the '87 season and it was it happened in 19 actually happened in 1988. I, I wasn't born. I'm interested to see what the fan base thinks. So let. Let us know in the chat room. Like one of the things that uh, fans were talking about on social media could like you got fans that are on both sides of this. You got fans that were kind of pulling for the Bengals right to win, and then you got fans that are like, I cannot cheer for a, a rival. rival. I cannot yeah. cheer for a division rival. And I understand. I understand both sides of it. I'm actually normally on the I can't cheer for a rival side, but like I said to you guys earlier and prior to the show. I haven't built that hatred towards Burrow yet. There's something about him that I actually kind of like, but I'll say this. I had that same vibe about Mahomes when he first came to the league. I think it was just because he was so electric. He was so entertaining. He was to watch. different. But then he just became a douchebag, and he's got the whole douchery with his family and brother <laughs> and wife. wife and all that crap. <laughs> I just cannot stand him now. So I fully expect to hate Burrow probably in another year or two. I Especially you're when also, they rip our hearts pulling, out. You're pulling a little bit in, in a sense for the underdog because this was a team that, again, beginning of the season, we all like. I think we all said we. that we could see them. Like uh, some of us were saying, okay, we could see them in, in you know fighting it out. They have the talent. The talent on paper was there, right. but could they make it translate? Well, they, they did. But a lot of the pundits said they, this isn't even going to be close. Why? Are, like, why are we talking about? And here it is. This team's so you're kind of pulling for the underdog in a sense. So to that point, right? Uh, Steven says 100% Bengals, but I root for the Eagles. But I can't for Yankees or Red Sox in baseball in the slightest. Baseball is just different for me than the NFL. Like baseball is more team and more organization than it is just the individuals where I feel like football is more individual. The, the other thing, the other thing about this too, right with football is we will all say it when it comes to the Steelers, no matter who's the quarterback, we're, we're going to say it when it comes because it's that natural rivalry. Yeah. We've had we've, that rival since we right, entered the division, the Browns with the, the moving and yeah. stuff like that. There's a natural rivalry built in there. There's never really been a true, what my eyes, I would call a true rivalry with the Bengals. It the was only, always, oh, poor Bengals. The only thing like, I've ever hated about the Bengals was fucking Dalton. Andy Dalton. That's literally it. Again, this but goes back to the end of he, he was guaranteed loss for them every year, right. so it helped us. Good, James. You, you do like Home Alone, right? Yeah. That's why you like Macaulay Culkin playing for the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the meme. It's pretty fucking funny. I don't know. I just haven't built it yet. Like I said, I'm sure in another year or two, especially if they keep winning like this and the Ravens can't keep up and that kind of thing, I'm going to hate them. <laughs> but right now, I'm pulling for them. Yeah. Now, they're going to go to a Super Bowl, and they're going to be playing against the Rams. Who the, the home Rams, team. Literally, the home team. The home team. <laughs> Rams end up pulling this game off. Uh, 20 to 17 over the 49ers this game ended up being closer than I expected. Like I said, 49ers, a very physical team. They'll get after it. They're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to make you uncomfortable. You can never doubt Debo Samuel, as Ryan says, <laughs> Debo is probably one of the best players, if yeah. not the best player on that field. 
he was effective in this game. He wasn't Debo effective. I mean, he had what? I think he had uh, seven carries for 26 yards, four catches for 72 yards in the touchdown. Uh, they were going to need more yeah. out of Debo if they were going to beat the Rams. 98 all-purpose yards. I mean, it's it's not a bad situation there. But I think, you know, you look at the Rams, right, offensively left some some desire to be wanted, right? Because you have 31 of 45 for 337 yards out of Matt Stafford, but two TDs and an interception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two the, TDs, you only, you only won 20 to 17, 330-plus yards, that's a pretty damn good day. I would be expecting, you know, three, four TDs in that in that situation. And he almost had another critical interception that the dude dropped. Yep. And he was like devastated over. And that's why I say, like, it was there. There was a lot left to be desired out of the out of the Rams in that situation. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see them kind of go go at but it. But I, f- I feel good for Matt Stafford. Both him and Sean Payton or Sean McVay right. kind of get the monkeys off their back. Essentially, Rams had lost six in a row to the 49ers prior to this win. <laughs> yeah. So McVay's been itching to get it. And what a better what a better way to do it than in the fucking NFC Championship, right? Uh, but Matt Stafford, you know, we've all seen the arm talent. We've all seen what he's been able to do in Detroit over the years as far as the yardage goes, the touchdowns go. But it's it's been Detroit, right? That place is just cursed. Uh, it's just a terribly ran organization. Yeah. To see him come in his first year in L.A. under a guy like Sean McVay and do the things that he's done. Uh, and you get a guy like in midseason like Odell Beckham, who a lot of us have kind of written off as like, well, he's not Odell Beckham that he Bad was factor. in New York. Uh, those days are gone. Well, Odell Beckham is still a damn good wide receiver, and the problem wasn't Odell in Cleveland. The problem was Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. I think that that was uh, critical in this game. I mean, he had, what, nine catches for 113 yards mm -hmm. in this game on top of the best wide receiver in the game, <laughs> Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, Cup had what eleven receptions, one hundred forty-two yards, two TDs, and that other one that could have been another TD that he wound up dropping. Yeah, uh, on the, oh long, the long, long pass would have been interesting because that that would have changed my thought. He had life. over two hundred yards receiving and three yeah. touchdowns in this game if he'd have caught that pass because yeah. he was gone. He, he's he's been impressive, an impressive guy to watch. Another thing, like you know, when you when you talk about the, this team. It is something that Drew has been on is this defensive front, right? You you have the the rally calls from Aaron Donald in this game. Oh, that was and, awesome. And man. seeing him on the sideline rallying the troops, getting in everybody's ears, saying basically, I need all you got for this drive. I need all you got for this last quarter. Uh, because the important you see the importance of it yeah. and what it means to him. Well, and the the genius behind some of the things that the Rams did in this offseason, right? You you're in the, even in season, I should say. The OBJ move yeah. wound up working out. Well, I'll tell you another one that w- worked out in this game. Eric Weddle coming back, being retired for two years, comes back, coming off the couch, looked in good shape because he led this team in tackles. Did you hear what he did? I did not. No. They said this whole season he was playing pickup basketball games. Really? So, so, you know, it's funny. He, he looked slender. He looked like he had lost a little bit of yeah. muscle mass, but he looked quicker to me, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he said he, he played basketball. It's that Yonda effect. <laughs> right. <laughs> but to come off the couch after sitting on, you know, for two years, couch, you know, obviously he's playing yeah. basketball, keep himself in shape. No ice cream, probably. <laughs> no ice cream, cutting back on that. Uh, but to come in and lead the team in tackles in an NFC championship game and, you know, Eric Weddle is, is the ultimate teammate. Uh, you know, he's the ultimate competitor, whether, you know, he still has it or not. He's going to give you everything that he's got, yeah. and he did that in this game. So, By the way, uh, how excited is uh, Shell and Tell Nation? 
Yeah, man. Pretty exciting <laughs> to see Jake Funk in his first year uh, end up going to the Super Bowl. Keandre Jones, a little less known Terp. Uh, he was a guy we got in the transfer portal. He's on the Bengals headed to the Super Bowl. Should have been three. Uh, Antoine Brooks, who was also a safety for the Terps, was on the Rams roster and got released right before so the championship game. Whichever Kinda one shitty. Whichever one wins. He'll get one though. Uh, get one. I'm gonna I'm gonna need a shell and tell interview episode <laughs> with that guy. We will make that happen. <laughs> we will try to make that happen anyway. Yeah, right. But man, this this is setting up to be a super entertaining Super Bowl. You got again the Bengals going into LA and the LA is so having that stadium. true yeah. home field. Uh, although I will say this, you know, I don't feel like that LA fan base has fully embraced this Rams team. Cause there were a lot of fucking 49er fans there. There, there were, but did you see the prices? Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. Like the cheapest it thing is like, like five grand, uh, five grand for a nosebleed. Yeah, last row saying, set, cheapest up, thing. Like, it was crazy. I'm saying they're going, what the hell? I get it's the Super Bowl. I get it. But Seriously, five grand. Right. Like, plus you're gonna have to. If you're from Cincinnati, you got to pay for the damn flight and hotel and shit's expensive in L.A. Right. Like, do you want anybody to come to this game? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's gonna be interesting for sure. You're gonna be discounting tickets to get people there. Well, we gotta talk about the game. Let us know in the chat room how you think this Super Bowl is going to shake. No out. predictions. We've got two Next weeks. Week. We got two weeks before the game, so we'll give our predictions. But I like to see kind of where you guys, your heads at, what you're thinking because. Again, this is going to be super entertaining. You've got the young guy in Burrow who is lighting things up. You got the old vet finally making it, you know, and still got a shit ton left in the tank in Matt Stafford. You got two young coaches going after each other. Uh, you know, again, you got defensive superstar and Aaron Donald, probably one of the best defensive players of this generation. Uh, you got Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks in this generation. Uh, and the Bengals, like I said, they just loaded with skill yeah. position talent, man. You, you, when you've got a guy like Jamar Chase, right? I know we talk all this shit about Cooper Cup and how good he is and OBJ is going to do big things. Well, I know Jalen Ramsey's on the other side of that field, but Jamar Chase, again, has played in an all-pro level as a rookie. rookie. Yeah, this exactly. is not going is to be a walk in the park for Jalen Ramsey at all. No, no. And that's that's going to be the thing is seeing these high-flying offenses. I think Honestly, this is going to be a game of whose defense is better, yeah. whose defense can hold up better. Prior to that game against the Chiefs, if you told me that it came down to the two of them, I'd probably be leaning more in the in the, in the favor of the Rams with the right. way they've played defense most of the year. But the way that they handled Mahomes, I think they take some of that and translate it and handle Herbert. Herbert. Stafford. Or not, Stafford, sorry. Not Stafford. So I'm looking at I just saw something with the Chargers on it. So that's what made me think of Herbert. Um, but no, they can handle Stafford, right? I I I'm curious to see how this works out. You could this game could go one way or the other. It could. It, I think it it could come down to a coin flip. The only the only thing that I think favors the Rams. A couple things that <laughs> I think favor the Rams. Uh, one, obviously being at home, so the comfort of playing in your home stadium. Uh, two, again the the talent that level that they have on the defensive side of the ball on the line and in the secondary. And then the other part about this is the injury that the Bengals took in this last game. Losing a guy like C.J. Uzama, Uzama the tight end, uh, yeah. tight end over the middle is big. Um, I know they've got weapons at, at 
you know, wide receiver and T Higgins is a bigger wide receiver. He's six, four, right. And he plays a lot of his, his, his pass catching over the middle. So I think that helps, but Uzama had worked his way into a pretty predominant role yeah, in that offense did. and not having that guy, if they do blanket coverage on Jamar chase and they say, we're not going to let this guy single handedly beat, beat us. us with an Uzama in the lineup. You got Azama, you've got fucking Boyd, you've got Higgins. I don't I still feel okay about the chances for Cincinnati, but not having Uzama and having it fall a lot on Higgins and Boyd is a big ask. I'm not saying they can't get it done, and what you might see is you might see uh, Joe Mixon involved more out of the backfield as a receiving threat, which he is a very good receiving back. You might see him his re- uh targets tick up a little bit in this game. Um but it, the I other think thing that is, it's going to be a close game. The other thing that I think plays a factor, right, is is it's not as though you don't have a tight end. Drew Sample can come in and can can help out a little bit. He did yeah. actually earlier in the year when Uzama was kind of he wasn't get his, getting as many reps because he didn't look good earlier in the year. Something clicked with him mid season, and he's just been unstoppable ever since. Right. Um, but I, I think you know you can't underrate Drew Sample. He he can catch the ball. He can have some good blocks. But it's it's going to be Uzama, no. He's not Uzama. I, I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying you can't also discount what this offense has been able to do all season. Or, you know, almost all season long. Right. Right. Um, so I think you, you got to take you got to take that into account. It's also a Rams team that wasn't they were they held the Ravens, but the Ravens defense, the way that the Ravens defense was structured was able to hold them to 20 points. Yeah. Right. This is going to be an interesting game. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be what the playoffs have been. I don't think I can't see a way. James, correct me. Am I I wrong, man? What do you see happening in this game? I I can't see this being a blowout one way or the other. It could be a blowout both ways. Okay, tell me how. Because their their offense is like Cooper Cup, o, OBJ, and then you also have um, Cam Akers coming out of the backfield. You got uh, Sony Michelle, H- Higby. Yeah, and Higby's the, dealing with a little bit of an injury and, and himself too. And the other guy, uh, Braxton or whatever, the, yeah. the other tight end. The offense on both sides could be really good. But then if you look at the Rams, they can be really good on defense right. by getting to Burrow with, with, with Darnold just eating them up. Don't you know? forget like, Von Miller, too. I, I know that, and that's what I'm saying. It could be it could be an explosive game, or it could be like the Rams are going to just take it. If that offensive line cannot stand up to that, that pass rush and stuff. But tell me how you see it the opposite way. So you just sold me on the potential of a blowout for the Rams. Can yeah. you sell me on the potential of a blowout for the Bengals? Uh, they got too many weapons uh, if they could get the ball out. Okay. Like, their wide receiver core, like, I trust any of them to throw the ball to. It's not like I only got one suspect, number one. They got, like, three to four. Because they could also um, put, um, what, Pearson in or the the, the other running back, uh, such oh, uh, P. Ryan. P. Ryan. Yeah, Samaje P. Ryan. He, 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 it, when he starts carrying, he, he's, Goes right down the middle. Like. He's a good pass catching back as well. P Ryan is. So P Ryan, that's where that's where I, he has a lot of his touches. He's I, he's been getting them out of the back. He's been getting this, getting them on catches. This could be an explosive game, but if that defensive line can get in there, it's, it it could be over. So the too. only the only negative I see uh, to the Rams, or I'm sorry, to the Bengals on defense, right, is going to be the secondary. You know, Eli Apple. <laughs> 
He's been a bit of burnt toast this year. I mean, he's he's, he's had flashes where he's done good. Uh, he did. He was kind of an yeah, up and it's down. Which Eli Apple you're going to get? Yeah, you don't know what kind of Eli Apple you're going to get. The only thing I'll give the Bengals credit for is they can create a lot of pressure. They got a lot of guys that not a lot of people know their names and who they are and whatnot, but they do create a lot of pressure. And they got uh, to uh, Garoppolo a lot, or not Garoppolo to, uh, to Mahomes. Mahomes a yeah. lot in this game. Mahomes was running for his life back and yeah. forth, back and forth, trying to create plays. I had never seen him create as many plays with his legs as he did in this game. I mean, I know Mahomes is a they had four sacks? pretty mobile guy, and they didn't get those sacks until later on in the right. game. Once the pressure started coming on Mahomes where he had to start throwing the ball down the field, that's when those sacks came. Uh, so if they can get to Matt Stafford early and get him rattled, and to your point, James, with all the weapons that they have, that's how I see that potentially being a blowout. The, the only the only other thing the only other thing to just throw out there against Mahomes, right? They also had five pass deflections in that game, right? So your secondary, not only are they are is your are you your is your front getting to the quarterback, but your secondary is playing close enough coverage to have five pass deflections in the game. It's pretty decent. And then another thing, real quick, is yes. uh, for the defense and offense is who had the Bengals going to the Super Bowl, so they have nothing to lose anyways. So yeah. they're going to just put it out there. It's all out on the table for them. Like, exactly. You know, do we see Burrow crossing his legs, smoking a cigar? At the end of the day, well, like you did at LSU, <laughs> I, I very so. welcome. Did you see the the picture? I think James even shared it, where it's uh, his his lineman that was lifting him up yeah, at LSU, and then turned cool. around lifting him up. Uh, you know, in that after that game. So, well, Joe Burrow wants Joe Burrow gets some <laughs> in Cincinnati right now. Well, we're gonna talk more about this. As we said, it's two weeks prior, so we got one more week. So next Tuesday, we'll have a full house in studio. We'll give all of our predictions. We want to get all your predictions next week. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned. Make sure you stay tuned for that. <laughs> Wrong button. Wrong button. I'm trying to get out of here. Apparently. All right, Scott. in the show that quick? Damn. Man, it's been a minute since I've been in the studio. My shit's off a little bit. I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, that shit earlier fucked me up, man, when the, the internet went out and everything. So, again, yeah. we apologize for Yeah, that. apologize, guys. So, glad all I see a lot of you guys came back. Yeah. But uh, this week, uh, Liquor Stop Brew of the Week, social media shout-out. We've been seeing a lot of you guys in there. I've seen Steven, Unpopular Facts, David Missler, a bunch of people. Did you have a list over there, James? Yeah, yeah. What do you got? List. We actually got more people to uh, start commenting after the the glitch. So, <laughs> that that's... That's good, good and bad, but uh, Stevens was number one. We had Chuck, uh, Dimitri, uh, Nick, Sherry, uh, David, Emmett, uh, Ricky, uh, Blank Space, Jimmy, Unpopular Fact, Fact Nation, Foxy23, Joshua, Hunter, Jack, Jacob, and Craig Zero. And then Craig Zero actually uh, put out, did you get his uh, Twitter uh, comment or, or his... Uh, question or whatever so I did. he asked about did that. you get it i did get, i did get okay, it i will right. uh, i'll bring it up now yeah um, we got so let's see here give me a second i gotta get back to mine it's, instead of being on the show's version <laughs> all right here we go where's he at where's he at here it is so craig said uh can't deny or confirm this happening right now but the ravens organization Giro out harb stays or i'm oh, sorry lamar says Giro's out harb says Giro stays so I guess he's he's saying, is it Lamar? Is this part of the issue? Is that Lamar wants him out? I'm going to say this. If Lamar wanted Greg Roman out, he would. he'd be gone. There's no way the Ravens would risk 
upsetting your franchise quarterback and pissing him off and potentially, especially in a contract year and sending him elsewhere, you know, or going into the season with a bad attitude. Now he's playing quarterback for a guy that he doesn't want to play quarterback for. I think if, if there was truth to that, if Lamar wanted that to happen, it will happen or it would have happened by now. So real quick. Also, I want to, I want to point out with all the shit that's going on. Do you think there could be a holdout with Lamar? Uh, there could be. So this this is this reminds me a lot of Joe Flacco when Flacco kind of bet on himself in his contract year. You know, he's Lamar is coming. We don't know what the number is, no. right? All we heard was Cadre Ishmael say that he put the Ravens put an offer out there. It was generational wealth type of thing. Blah 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 blah. Well, generational wealth could be twenty million dollars. We don't know what that number is, right? Generational wealth could be anything for us. Cadre, Cadre played with a salary cap was. $50 million cheaper than it is now. Well, a lot, probably even less <laughs> well, than that. Yeah, exactly. My whole point is to him, generational yeah. wealth is a lot different than what it used to be. Right. So we don't know what that number is. My my thing is, Lamar could be in a position where he's like, all right, based nope. on my year right no, now, Craig, have, having the injury, not knowing what's coming back, I might be getting $40 million a year. Or if I come out with a healthy team, healthy offensive line, more weapons, another year under my belt, I could make another run at MVP and potentially put myself in that 45 to $47 million a year and maybe get a couple more years on my contract. So I think Lamar is betting on himself. If he did turn this contract down, it's either he's betting on himself and he's going to see how he does this year or the contract wasn't as wealthy as we think it is based on what Kadri yeah. said. And uh, Craig, no, we didn't get it. That's the only one that we got from you that I can find. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's when it comes to that contract with him, there's a lot of different factors going in here. And regardless of even if, whether it was generational wealth or not, to me, he's looking for his future and why would i want to risk my future if you're not willing to protect me right i think that's what this comes down to and maybe some of it's scheme and he he's fine but he's flourished under greg roman to this point well so. talk about what uh, jerry and the crew yeah. hooked us up with this week this ipa is actually really good so this is this is from sly fox brewing company it's actually out of pottstown pa so not very far about an uh, hour right hour road, and a half then. drive for yeah. us uh probably a lot a lot closer a lot for you closer. Yeah. <laughs> uh this is their haze of future past i thought it was a really good top a really good name considering uh mike mcdonald oh, coming right. future past right like uh, so this is a hazy ipa IPA. Uh, I would describe this one as it, it's it's IPA esque, but it's not IP. It's not hop heavy, right. right? It's there is a citrus undertone to it. Some of the IPAs, and you guys have heard talked about them. Some of the IPAs can be a little bit hoppy, and it's it's like eh. I, I've got mine over halfway down at this point. It's 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 a pretty good it's, hazy IPA. It's definitely really good. Uh, I'm not a huge hazy IPA fan. This one doesn't give me that like dry mouth you know like some yeah. ipas give you that dry mouth and they do that so that you continually pick it up and keep drinking and drinking and drinking yeah. and buy oh, more and buy more six percent exactly. alcohol by the way six percent alcohol so it's a little bit stronger than your traditional beer uh it's good so make sure you get up to yeah. liquor stop tell them birdland bs and the crew yeah. sent you get your 10 percent off one What's more this? thing it yeah. wasn't cold so sorry friend no it wasn't cold uh but let me also got always this be a, cold this is a new one that they got in too so this every is, other drink except hot chocolate hot tea <laughs> anyway, Saki. this was another Ugh, thing they just water. recently got in, and I actually really like it. I liked the one that we had that was a strawberry lemonade. 
Yeah. It's the natural light uh, flavored vodkas. Uh, this one's a, their new black cherry. It's four times distilled 60 proof. It's actually, I, granted, it wasn't cold, but it's pretty good. <laughs> it was good. still There's, very good. It was yeah. still pretty good because you get that like, like tart cherry flavor followed by the, the lemon. There's a little bit of sour with lemon. Really good. So head up to Liquor Stop, 1510 Conowingo Road. Tell them Birdland BS sent you. Get your 10% off. Hey, I got the button right. Hey. All right, guys. It's time for the rundown. So for you guys out there, before we do the rundown real quick, uh, for you Terp fans out there, uh, like I said, Ryan is in Great Wolf Lodge right now with the kids on a vacation. Next week, uh, we are going to do a special segment of Shell and Tell. We're actually going to do, uh, we're going to have Ahmed on the show. There's a lot of news going around right now at the Terps. Some good news and unfortunately some hoodwinked bad news that we heard uh, right before we went live today. That we'll catch you up on next week. Uh, again, Ahmed Gafir at Gafir the Turtle on Twitter will be joining us live. Going to be on, on Birdland BS. On Birdland BS. Tune talk. in, guys. There you go. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But rundown. We talked a little bit about this uh, in the pre-show. The NFL head coaching and front office carousel continues <laughs> around the NFL. Yep. The Raiders start the moving on process. We know all the issues that they've had this year, hiring a couple of Patriots. So if you're going to go uh, and rob a organization, I think robbing the Patriots is probably a good way to do that. Uh, former director of player personnel Dave Ziegler will be their new GM. And offensive coordinator Josh McDaniel finalized the deal to make them him their new head coach. This is a guy, obviously, who failed as a head coach out in Denver. Uh, but that was many years ago now. Came back to, to New England, did his good things there. Maybe he learned a lot again, learning under Bill Belichick. We'll yeah, see what happens the there. Colts for a day. He did sign for the Colts <laughs> for a day. Yeah, talk about being hoodwinked. Uh, so they have they have pieces there with the Raiders. Needs to put in his creativity, I think, in the office and inject the Patriot discipline that they have, obviously. Uh, I think it's good change for them. A couple of logical and bold moves for Mark Davis, which is rare. Uh, better put their damn foot down out there is what they better do. <laughs> Take right? away. No more driving after games. How exactly. about everybody has an Uber home? <laughs> well, the Giants officially start a new era of football as well with a cleaning house kind of approach. Also stealing from an AFC East team, they've hired Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, as their new head coach, and Bill assistant GM, Joe Shane, as their next GM. Again, another organization that's had a lot of success recently, yeah. has done really well with in-season trades, free agency trades, and uh, free agency signings, and through the draft. Take from the rich to feed the poor. That's right. The Giants needed to do something there to save face. That's been Because they are poor. It's been a rough, <laughs> rough go ever since Eli has not been there. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's the new head ball coach in Denver. Who? Exactly. <laughs> if you don't know the name, that's former offensive coordinator of the Packers, which one Aaron uh, Rodgers is pretty fond of. You, you, you mean the, the guy that Matt LaFleur took the offensive play calling away from? <laughs> exactly. But Aaron Rodgers pretty fond of this guy to the point he has said in the past that he would potentially follow Hackett if he went elsewhere. Hmm. Aaron to Denver. Could we see we a Manning? We never guess that. Could we see a Manning <laughs> 2.0 in Denver happening? John Elway's not there anymore. It's quite possible. It's very possible. <laughs> uh, staying in the NFC North, Matt Nagy era is over in Chicago. Now it's the Matt Eberfluss show. Who? Uh, exactly. <laughs> he was a defensive coordinator for the Colts previously. None of these are the names that you would have thought. Like, not one of them. Well, there were a lot of names talked about, just not household names that you would have known. Right, but uh, none of the household names have made, made a landing anywhere yet. Right. 
Well, one of the the guys that was a big name on the market right now is uh, it was the first hire. Aberflus was the first hire for new GM Ryan Poles, who was the Chiefs executive director and player personnel previously. Right. A lot of glowing reviews about this guy. Uh, it was a former player. Knows talent. For the Bears. Uh, so this kind of whole thing, full circle for Makes him sense. to be from a player to a GM role is pretty impressive. Uh, in the wake of the Mike McDonald coming back to the Ravens news, well, rumors have Jim Harbaugh. We talked about this for plenty of weeks now, potentially landing in Minnesota uh, to be the Vikings' next head coach. Interview scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, so that could potentially be happening. Not a whole lot of candidate just, names out there, so I think this makes a lot of gonna sense. Just going to throw it out there. He could. Uh, I could see him making his way down to New Orleans mm, well, and you got coaching the, up some talent down there. you got the Dolphins, the Saints, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Vikings still sorting through those options. But I think the Vikings out of those teams Kinda are probably the, the most set up for success right away. For he he knows about. how to play in cold weather. Right. Simple as that. Exactly. Uh, look, end of eras in the NFL. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger announcing his retirement. Yep. Well, now the GOAT, Tom Brady, called it a career today, this morning, actually, yeah. on Instagram. Went to, took to Instagram, put a, a, an Instagram post out. There was that whole back and forth of, I'm retired, no, I'm not retired. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> We'll see what tomorrow brings. Right, exactly. <laughs> this could be a whole Favre 2.0 uh, at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to think of a league without him. I think some of his some of the the things that he was saying, right, the family stuff. You know, his kids are. I think his kids are like eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere around in that mark. Like yep. that's. I think about my son. My son's hitting like baseball and hitting sports, and so it, you know, kind of want to be there for him right yeah, i was hoping to be no, able to go it. with you guys uh in a prime example i was hoping to go with you guys to top golf this this weekend to celebrate ryan's birthday <laughs> i know apparently it's freezing cold oh and, and crazy cold in a witch's tent. uh and the, the heaters didn't work very well so whatever but either way uh you know same thing i uh, for me i went my son had baseball and to me right now it's important to, to be with him through that and and let him experience it. it it's been great for me to experience it with him so it's been awesome so that's what i think you know I, I kind of feel for Tom in that sense. Now I'm not as old as he is. <laughs> Somehow neither are the two of you. Nope. I'm um, close. <laughs> yeah, you're the closest. You are definitely the closest. <laughs> um, but look, give it, me it's, that trophy. It's hard to think of this league without him. I mean, he's been in the league for 22 years. I mean, it, we all when Tom Brady started, we all were either just finishing high school or just entering. <laughs> Middle school. I just finished high school. <laughs> yeah, I literally yeah. just finished high school. school. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, but you had just finished what a year, year or so before that, right? Yeah, a couple, couple years. Twenty. All right. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. All right. So, but look, when you look at everything that he's he's done, and I know that we've got a two minute warning. Questions is going to get into get into a piece about him, but look at everything that he brought to the table. Seven times Super Bowl champion. Five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time NFL MVP, 15-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, NFL all-time passing TD leader, 624. The next closest guy behind him has been retired for two years. Okay? It's crazy. NFL all-passing yard leader, 
85,520 passing yards. That's I thought crazy. for sure he was going to hit 100,000. I thought he was going to play till he was like 50 and he was going to hit 100,000. At least 90. It's insane. Two more years. It's Come insane. on. Hit 90,000. Uh, and then most career wins, 243. He has a career winning percentage of like 76 or 77. It's like 76.7%. He is the epitome of the word goat. He is the greatest of all time. At his position. At his position as an yeah. NFL quarterback. All Uh-oh. right, Uh-oh. we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it in the after hours. I know everybody's going to be going back and forth on this. Uh, but, you know, some of us like to dabble a bit in gambling here. Some of us like cards. Some of us like sports betting. Well, I mean, all of us like sports betting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> some are better than others at it. You know, I'm just saying, whatever. Some do it more often than others. Well, let me you tell you. Bet on anything that James has said this year, because apparently. Just this year, though. <laughs> just this year, <laughs> not previous year. Spot on. <laughs> well, in one of the most impressive sports bets I've ever seen, a man is now $579,000 richer off of a $20 bet. Bet of the decade. This guy made what's called an exact score parlay bet on two con- on the two conference championship games, meaning he guessed both final scores exact on the nose, and, the and they both had to hit exact in order for this bet to pay out. And because they both hit, his twenty thousand dollar bet was a twenty dollar bet. What did I say? Two hundred? Yeah. yeah 20, 20, you said twenty thousand dollar bet. Because his twenty dollar bet. Paid him five hundred seventy nine thousand dollars and twenty dollars. For those for those of you that like are odds people, that was plus two point eight nine five million. Yeah, that's the odds of this happening. This has Crazy. super strong Biff Tannen vibes on this one. <laughs> for those that are old enough to get that reference. <laughs> Back to the Future, you know, the sports almanac. Who's DeLorean did he steal? (laughs) I just like it's unreal to do that on the nose. There there were a couple other people that posted like their bets. And there was one other guy that had the scores right on both, but had the game, the winners reversed. So it paid him nothing. Uh, My cousin made a $10. I mean, it wasn't crazy, but my cousin made a $10 bet that the the. uh, Bengals Chiefs game would go to overtime. He won 160 bucks, right? Not bad, right? right. But this guy I put won in, 400 bucks, so I'm good. This guy put in 20 bucks and won a half a million dollars. I, I mean, a, I need a couple extra zeros to add to mine, though. I mean, that's one of those bets, though. Like, if it, that's that's a bet that like one of us or Ryan might make. It's like, hey, you know what? Let me throw you know ten, even ten dollars down on that. It's right. a, you're still getting a quarter of a million dollars at ten, on a ten dollar bet in that right. situation. So it, it's one of those. Ah, I got twenty bucks to throw it. Let's just see what happens. If I get it, great. If I don't, no it's big 20 deal. Bucks, yeah. right? It's twenty bucks. It's twenty bucks. I'm not out a lot. So that's what this guy did, and could damn it worked out. So crazy. But look, we don't talk very much about tennis. No, hardly um, at all. But tennis is kind of a, a few for a few reasons has, has kind of really uh, taken into the sports world uh, over the past week and a half, really the past month, I'll call it. Um, in the world of tennis, you had number one uh, Novak Djokovic, yep. right? Like him or hate him. I, I do follow tennis. I like him. A lot of people hate him. I um, played in college. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Djokovic was not present for the Australian Open. Now, I don't know if you remember, but a few weeks back, we actually mentioned this in one of our yeah, rundowns. Yep. He he was it was his covid status, right? Yep. He had a medical exemption for not having it. Australia as a country was not letting him in regardless of that. He did all the he did all the steps that they wanted him to do. They still wouldn't let him in. So he wasn't allowed to do it. Uh, allowed, wasn't allowed to, to do it. So that allowed, and, and again, he's number one. That allowed his his fierce rival and number five in the world. 
Rafael Nadal. We all know that name. Yep. Very good guy. He makes a run. And without the Serbian in his way, the Spaniard made it to the finals again, where he immediately went down two sets. And everybody's going, ah, here you go. He's going to lose it. Right. He comes back and rallies five straight sets to win. Crazy part about this. Imagine this. We talk about some of these games. Like, we talk about the length of baseball game, right? Mm -hmm. Three hours. Oh, it's a lot, right? (laughs) Guess how long this match was. I don't even want to know. Five and a half hours. Oh, my God. And this is one guy. This isn't a guy like you can (sighs) substitute guys. This is one guy. Going at it for five and a half hours. Or two guys, that's, I should say, going at it for five and a half hours. That's longer than a round of golf with you and I. We're really bad at golf. Not as bad as Ryan. But <laughs> wow, a, why do you wait to throw Ryan on the bus? Neither one of us are that good. <laughs> he'll admit it. We're not Ryan bad. That's a long-ass <laughs> yeah. time to be out of the tennis court. Right, yeah, that's the crazy part. And, and he is now a two-time Australian Open champ. And his, one, or his win moved him into first place all time in Grand Slam title I was title getting ready wins. to say, I knew that they were close. Him, so this really Djokovic, part of it. Him, Djokovic, and uh, Sampras, or I'm sorry, Roger Federer, were all tied at 20. This put him over the edge. He is now the all-time wow. Grand Slam leader. Now, for those that don't follow tennis a lot, but grew up in the 80s and 90s, let me throw through names at you and where they were. Andre Agassi. <laughs> David. Remember Andre Agassi? Yeah, I Andre loved Agassi. Andre Agassi, yeah. Him and Pete Sampras, great rivalry. He had eight. Wow. Okay, Pete Sampras, mm-hmm. 14. Wow. Yeah, you know, that was like, not that I've ever been an advent. But it was that. It was watcher, those two guys. It was, it. And those two guys were like head and heels above everybody It was else. those two guys. It was McEnroe and his, what he brought. Like, he yeah. was in the latter part of his career. Yeah. But those were the I names. I was never that, a McEnroe guy. guy annoyed me. That was, those were the names that we heard, right? Yeah. And and even on the the, the female circuit, uh, what's her face that works with, that worked with Brady Anderson for a long time. Oh, um, uh, Sharapova. Native. Yeah. Maria no, Sharapova. No, 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 no. Um, God, what was she's from Baltimore? Wasn't it Sharapova? No, no, it wasn't Sharapova. Um, Pam Shriver. Uh, Pam Shriver. Thank Shriver, you. Yes. You're right. Yep. Shriver, because she right. used to do the thing with with Cal and yep. with with uh, yep. with down Brady at the arena. down at the arena. Yeah. So uh, you, you hear some of those names. That just goes to show you, these three men have done a lot. In, and when I say these three men, I'm talking about Federer, about Novak, and about Rafael Nadal. Between the three of them, sixty-one. Grand Slam titles between three guys. It's insane. And they're all like 34, 35. That's absolutely insane. So in 15 years, these guys have, have amassed more titles than some of the greats that we remember. Pretty crazy. Yeah. All right, Scott, the two-minute warning, we're going to push those off to the after hours only because we don't have it set up in this new format. Oh, yeah, didn't that's right. We didn't think about up. that. So we got two good two-minute warning questions James that we're going to open up us. for discussion, <laughs> but we'll do that in the after hours. Again, thank you for your patience with us, for all the yes. connectivity issues with the breakup in the show. Uh, it's been a fun one. It's, it, it's been a lot of information. We'll have everybody back next week in studio. And again, a big special edition of Shell and Tell with Ahmed Kafir. Yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week as you always do. Make sure you follow us on our website, www.birdlandbs.com while you're there. You can get yourself some Birdland BS gear. I've got my hat on. James has got his hat on. 
I've got Fred. a hat on. <laughs> Fred's got a hat on. <laughs> Always got a hat on. Get yourself some hey, gear. I'm working on some really cool hats. We'll check, see what happens. Check out the, all the episodes while you're there. Make sure you also follow us on Big Play. All of our social media accounts at Birdlamp. Yes, is how you find us, guys. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, share while you're there. Share all of the content that we put out there. We're trying to continue to grow. We try to continue to evolve content. This uh, Everything you're seeing over the next few months is going to change, and we're trying to upgrade for you. So we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. This week for Fred, James, myself, Drew, and Ryan, who are both enjoying mini vacations. We'll see you guys next week. See ya!